Today is the Sunday in which we celebrate the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next Sunday, Pentecost. So grateful that the Lord is here in our midst as we worship Him today. There's a blue friendship pad on the left side. If you'd fill that out and pass it back and forth, that'd be helpful. And children, raise your hands uh, so that we can get a zest quest to you right now. In our upcoming highlights page, just a couple things. Uh, Michelle is one of our covenant children who has gone to India, serving in the mission field, and who is here with us today, and she's going to be out in the hall at 10.30, or as soon as the service is over, and they're just eager to tell you the story of what God is doing in her life. I want to encourage you, on your way to your Sunday school community or wherever you're going, go by and see her. Give her a hug. Just put a name with the face so you can pray for her faithfully. Throughout the upcoming highlights, there's ministry opportunities for men and for women, for youth, I want to invite you now to begin to pray for our youth Florida trip, which is a great time of evangelism and disciple-making. They'll be in Florida two weeks from today, leaving two weeks from yesterday. Pray for that trip, that the Lord would do what he continues to do in a mighty way to bring many to saving faith and deepen the faith of those who are already in Christ. This morning, we have this great text from Acts chapter 1. Really, this morning, we're having a vision Sunday, looking at what the Lord has done is doing, and has promised to do. So as we look at Acts 1, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. And as you hear it read, imagine the scene of Jesus ascending in the words that he spoke, even as he rises. Acts 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this historical event that the disciples witnessed, even as you were calling them, commanding them, telling them that they would be your witnesses into all the earth. And today, 2,000 years later, we're here. As you are building your church, we are the evidence of your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for every person that's sitting in this sanctuary right now. Those who are in Christ, saved, who have been made disciples, who are growing in you, and those who perhaps today are coming and will learn about you for the first time and see that they need a Savior. And there is one, and his name is Jesus. Father, would you overwhelm us right now with your glory? Would we be overwhelmed with the weight of your power and your beauty and your transcendence and your presence? Lord, as we prepare to come to the table, bless us and feed us that we might be nourished and made more aware of the incredible presence of Christ, the work and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, the disciples stood there. They heard Jesus speak those words. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that same Holy Spirit, that God, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, here he is present with us now. The Spirit dwelling in us as we worship him. And as we seek by his grace and for his glory to be faithful to the Great Commission. To go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to talk about the vision from this text, the fulfillment of that vision and what's still promised to come, what it means for this particular expression of the church. For when these men stood there watching Jesus historically ascend into heaven, they received those words that they would be his witnesses. And then on the day of Pentecost, that powerful movement of the Holy Spirit came. And that same spirit is in our midst. And that same spirit is moving this church. And that same spirit continually reminds us that this church belongs to one, Jesus Christ, who is the head of this church. And until he has finished this work, till the day in which he calls you home or he's returned as he promises to do, he will continue to use this church for his glory. Over 2,000 years ago, they witnessed that. And they witnessed that they were told that they would be witnesses. And we continue the work. 24 years ago, 1991, Desert Storm had come to ceasefire. 1991, the movie that won Best Picture was Dances with Wolves. Do we have any? I still have power. And I do mean the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the lights are off, but you can still listen. Praise God. The song that won Grammy for best song was a song, song called From a Distance. Bette Midler singing a, de- a deistic theme. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. The World Wide Web later that year was made available to the public. And closer to home in the month of May, Texas Ranger Nolan Ryan pitched a record seventh no-hitter. And the 356th and final episode of CBS's second longest-running show, Dallas, finally came to an end. Gunsmoke was the show that went longer. And in May of 1991, 24 years from tomorrow, I got married. Amen. About the same time, this church, faithful to the word of God, faithful to every word of God, followed elders, some sitting on these pews here, to start something new, a church that would be faithful to the word of God. And in a gymnasium at Holland Park High School, thousands gathered to worship, not knowing what would happen next, but knowing that they had to be faithful to the word of God. 
They had to be faithful to Matthew 28 to go out and make disciples of all nations. For 24 years, this church has sought to do that, seeing God making disciples and using the disciples that he has made to make other disciples. And that multiplication effort will continue till the race is finished. It will continue until the Lord in your life calls you home or until we as his people see him returning as he promised to do here even in Acts chapter 1. We are about, simply put, making disciples of Jesus Christ. And everything I talk about for the next 15 to 20 minutes before we come to the table is about that purpose. It is about being faithful to the glory of God and advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ by making disciples, even as we are being made disciples. In order to understand what a disciple is, we lean on scripture, which could define it in many ways, but simply put, it's someone who truly loves the Lord God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, who loves their neighbor as themselves, who is seeking to bring the good news to the lost world. One way this church has expressed that over the last few years is through using five identity statements. I want to ask you in your bulletin to turn to the sermon notes page. And there at the top of that page, you will see our five identity statements. These may be statements that you're familiar with or not, but they do guide the things that we do. This morning, I'm not going to go identity statement by identity statement, but you will certainly see them come out as I preach. Instead, I'm going to use four words, four headings as I talk about the vision of this church. And the four words are the word, worship, work, and witness. Very easy to remember, four W's. The word, worship, the work, and witness. Every time a man steps into this pulpit to preach the word of God, We believe he's called to preach the word of God. Not some motivational speech. Not some pharisaical, legalistic, works-oriented other gospel. But the gospel of Jesus Christ. In my office, I asked a lady who helped me with the interior because I needed that help. To help me put things around my office that would remind me of the calling that God has given me. The calling to be a husband the calling to be a father, the calling to be the beloved son of God, the calling to be a pastor who is seeking to proclaim the word of God, to minister the sacraments. And there, Tom Childs, he helped me find two of the earliest architectural drawings of this pulpit and this table. They're beautiful. David Stocker drew them. It is an amazing display on my wall, which reminds me that I'm called to preach the word. And so is every man that stands behind this pulpit in the sanctuary, because that's what the true church is about. I wonder if you've ever paid attention to this pulpit. There's no other pulpit like it. This is unique and original. At the bottom, you see the cast iron, and the cast iron has wheat growing up, which symbolizes the word of God being preached, a seed being thrown out. And it's taking root, and it's growing up. Indeed, the word of God preached is being used by God as one of his means to make disciples. In our identity statements, we talk about being a church that wants to know and live the word of God. Not simply know it intellectually, but to live it. And in doing so, that word bears fruit in our lives. I'm not sure you've ever paid attention to this table. But here on this leg, 
a vine begins to grow out. As the word has been scattered, the fruit grows, and this vine is etched in the wood all around the table, symbolizing fruitfulness, fruitfulness that can only come by us abiding in Jesus Christ. In John 15, Jesus said, It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, so proving to be my disciples. So we actually prove we are his disciples as we know the word of God and we live the word of God. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has taken me to a church where I don't have to apologize for preaching the word. I'm so grateful that I'm in a church where all of the pastors as a band of brothers come together and we long to use the gifts God's given us to preach the word. Something that I mentioned a few weeks ago that I want to talk about for a moment that really excites me has to do with two of our pastors that we believe is a session God is calling to the role of associate pastor, and that is Chad Scruggs and Paul Goble. When they came onto our staff, I sensed that it was for a short term. They're godly men like all of our pastors. They have gifts that can be used in any church, and I sensed there would be a day when the Lord would be calling them to be the senior pastor of a church somewhere. But last summer in China, in June, I took a day just to pray for this church while in China, this body, and the Lord prompted me with the idea of what would it look like to see Chad and Paul at PCPC for a lot of years, serving in the pulpit ministry, sharing the pulpit with you, developing sermon series that would truly go deep into the hearts of our people. And I got excited. I came back and essentially prayed and meditated over that for a long time. And in August, I asked Paul and Chad what they would think about being here for some time. They were kind of blown away. It wasn't what they were thinking. But then I talked to our session. And over time, last fall, the session moved to a place of saying, we believe God is calling these men to continue this work at, at Park City's Press, to be in the pulpit ministry with me, our other pastors as well, but specifically to these two brothers in a unique way. And this is what it's going to look like. In the fall, we're going to begin to preach a series through the book of James. The men's Bible study is going to be on the book of Proverbs, which has been wonderful this last year on Tuesday mornings. I'm going to preach for a number of weeks in a row, and then I am going to have Chad and Paul preach for a number of weeks in a row. I'm still going to be present in this sanctuary, worshiping, assisting in the services as well. But after I hear them preach at 930, or if I wait to hear them preach at 11, I'm going to go downstairs. And I'm going to go be a part of the Sunday school community of this church. And I'm going to teach specific things like evangelism and prayer. And what does that look like for our body? The purpose of this is simple. We want you as his people to be feeding deeply on the word of God in a way that causes your life to be one that's not described as paint, merely going on the surface. But the word of God, as C.S. Lewis describes it, is a stain going deep into who you are. So that indeed you do know and live the word of God. We believe that in the next season of our church, this move is going to make us even more vibrant. It's going to draw more and more people to hear the wonder of the gospel. As our pastors and our elders and our deacons and all of this body, which we believe in the priesthood of all believers, go out to make the holy word of God known. I'm very excited about that. And on June 7th, that Sunday, we'll have a congregational meeting to that end, brothers and sisters. And I couldn't be more delighted. Our pastors love each other deeply. I'm not sure you know this or not, but at 1101, Monday through Friday, they gather, or we gather in my office. 
And for 30 minutes, we pray. We don't share prayer requests. We just gather in my office and we pray. We pray for you. We pray for the world. We pray for the persecuted church. We pray for the sick. We pray for the lonely. We pray for the lost in our city and all around the world. It's incredible because prayer is powerful. And these brothers, we love each other deeply. I'm so grateful for Bill Lambert and Julian and the whole crew. I know you are too. And the gifts God has given them. Secondly, I want to talk about worship. Do you remember the first time you worshiped in this church? Some of it, you, it might be today. You can tell already that we take the name of Jesus Christ seriously. We take the work of the Holy Spirit seriously. We come to worship God, the Father Almighty. He is unlike any other. This God that we worship, as we cried out, holy, 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 is transcendent and set apart. Our worship is not to be man-centered, except on the man, Jesus Christ. Last week, we had a visitor. The visitor and his wife have been looking for a church for some time. They actually described a process that they're going through to find a church. And worship is central. He sent me an email with encouraging words and then sent me to a blog post from another man in Oklahoma City who leads a church. This man described worship this way. Listen, worship begins with intensely profound, listen to that, intensely profound and inspiring and exalted thoughts about who God is. Worship begins with deep biblical thoughts about God robust and expansive truths about who he is and his greatness and glory. Thoughts that in turn awaken passionate affections for God. Passionate affections such as joy and gladness, delight, admiration and love and fear and zeal and deep satisfaction in all that God is for us in Jesus. We want our worship never to be about mankind. Never to be centered on the gifts that he's given us or the musicians, but upon the transcendent God. There's no one like him. And on the presence of God here, even mysteriously this morning in our midst. So we want to be a body that stands on the word of God and worships well the God Almighty. The third W, the work of God. If you're a member of this church, you took a vow. There are five questions. The fourth question says, do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? I love that question. I've never heard someone in a membership interview or standing before the congregation say no. But it's a question we must continue to ask each other. Are we being faithful to that vow? This morning, are you seeking to worship God best of your ability, by his grace and for his glory. Not just worship, but work. What is the work of God? Around the world, PCPC has sought to make the kingdom of God known. Around the world, missionaries have been sent, like Michelle, to tell people about Jesus for the purpose of making disciples. This week, Jerry Gibson, who's the director of our world missions and church planning, brought something into my office. And this is it. This is a chair that was made for us by those who are involved in the work in Senegal. It says EPS, PCPC, celebrating 12 years of ministry together. It has a baobab tree, which you see all over West Africa. 
which symbolizes life. The ministry, the folks involved there carved this to give it to us as a gift. Why? Because over the last 12 years, especially in the first 10, God did an amazing work in Senegal. Listen to this. In 12 years, over 40 churches have been established in Senegal. West Africa Theological Institute has been established. The Presbyterian Church of Senegal did not exist 12 years ago, but exists now and has expanded beyond the Presbyterian Church of Senegal to the Presbyterian Church of West Africa. Two schools, grades one through eight, have been established. But Jerry Gibson tells the story better than I can. I want you to listen. My experience, Mark, with missions says that none of this really means much without some context. These are just institutions. The real story is what leads to these institutions. When we say 40 churches, what does that mean? When we talk about a growing denomination in Senegal, what does that mean? You have to go back at least 12 years to get perspective. The spiritual landscape of Senegal was as dry as the physical landscape. What did the Lord have to do to make something out of nothing in this Muslim nation? To bring life to a dead, dry landscape? He had to speak. God had to first speak life into one dead heart through a missionary. It so happens that in this case, that heart belonged to Mamadou. Mamadou's been to our church. Mamadou had to be discipled, making disciples. Through his discipleship, the Lord had to call Mamadou and give him a vision for ministry. The Lord had to use Mamadou to save more Muslims who would have to choose Jesus over family. This is true. They would have to choose Jesus over family. Jesus over status in society. These former Muslims, names like Ramon, Nagore, Mary Antoinette, and Pierre, would need to be discipled as well in order to do the same thing that Mamadou did, share life. Then God had to call some of the men into the ministry to take the gospel further and to lead the church. These men had to be trained and equipped for ministry. Now evangelist pastors, they would need to enter villages that were hostile to the good news. Mamadou calls these evangelist pastors Paul's. These men would be rejected again and again, village after village. Eventually, they would find a village that was receptive to the gospel and settle in. Cell groups would form in one village while these pastors continued to evangelize the nearby villages that first rejected them. They would raise up Timothys. One by one, people would be saved and more cell groups would form. Then those cell groups would eventually grow in number to form public worship services. In 2015, outdoor public worship services have grown to the point of needing physical church buildings so that the people can gather and worship away from the dry, dusty winds of Senegal. This work is a humbling part of what God has done through PCPC. 56 members of this church have served in Senegal to labor hand in hand for the purpose of making disciples. Brothers and sisters, this is just one small example of how God has used this church in 24 years to make disciples. But God is not interested in only making disciples and continents a long way from us. He is also interested in making disciples right here in Dallas. 
And as I stand here right now, there are lost people to the north of us. And there are lost people to the east of us. And there are lost people to the south and to the west. And God is not finished bringing lost people to salvation. God is not finished saving people in Dallas. And though the world looks as if it's just catering in great compromise as the Supreme Court wavers in decisions that seem to make no sense, we have the word of God and we stand up knowing that what he said to Peter in Matthew 16 is true. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Until he is finished, he will use this church for his glory to bring people from the nations to himself, including your neighbors, including your co-workers, including your friends, and I believe including your enemies. Our session for the last few years has been seeking the face of the Lord as we have in the past to help us know how to best make disciples. One thing that the session has prayerfully been considering for three years is what does the Lord want us to do with this property in this space? We are in a strategic location here at Oaklawn and Wycliffe. We are an evangelical church that stands up for the word of God when the world all around us is pursuing riches and immorality and redefining a whole host of things. But we're here. We are here as a light on a hill. A church in this city that will continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. So I want you to know that we have been seeking his face. What does he want us to do? What does he want us to do right here? We're looking at plans. What might the Lord want us to build, if anything? And the reason I'm mentioning this to you today is because we as as a group of elders do not know right now what the Lord wants us to do. You may have heard rumors about a master campaign, all those things. We have been talking about that. But we have not come to a place where we know exactly what the Lord wants to do. But we know this. We believe he wants us to do something. We believe that he will reveal it to us. And we believe that it must be for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ. That we can justify before him that every square inch would be used to make that happen. There is no elder, no pastor, no one who is interested in building anything for us and for our glory. We're only interested in seeing what he wants to do to make the gospel go out and even in a brighter way into this city, to the neighbors all around us, that they might come to saving faith. So I tell you that for this purpose alone. Please pray for us. Pray for us that we would be united. Pray for us that we would be confident in the Lord. Pray for us that we would not be distracted. Pray for us to hear the voice of God. Because we do not want to do anything that would diminish his glory. We do not want to do anything that will put the attention on man. My brothers and sisters, we want to glorify God by standing on his word. We want to glorify God in the way in which we worship. And we as elders and deacons and as the whole body of Christ, we want Sunday after Sunday to worship him and be a part of his work to the best of our ability by his grace. And lastly, we know that that means we're to be a witness. The same word that Jesus gave the disciples. A witness. But a witness to what? To one thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? 
The gospel is the good news that mankind had rejected God, had turned their back on God. All of us had turned and gone astray, each of us to our own way. But the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came to walk upon this earth, to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserve to die, and he did it. And then he rose from the dead. And then 40 days later, as we've heard this morning, he ascended into heaven. And as he ascended, before he went, he said, you will receive power. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same power is present. In the very first recorded sermon in PCPC's history, Luther Whitlock closed the sermon with these words. Make no mistake. If there is to be a ministry, talking about PCPC, if there is to be a ministry, if there is to be a church, then it will be built up on the gospel. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, is our only hope and our salvation. And then he said, Let's pray. That statement was true 24 years ago. That statement's true today. It will be true 24 years from now. When many of you have gone already into glory. Maybe Christ will have returned by then. I do not know. But because of God's grace and for his glory, I believe that the men sitting here who are about to serve you communion will protect this pulpit. That it will preach a pulpit from which we preach the word of God, from which we preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. My friends, the church, the church, capital C, is the most important relationship that you have. Because it is a relationship with Jesus Christ where he is the head. He is the groom. He is coming for you and for me, the bride. The title of today's sermon was, or is, Till the Race is Finished. It comes from the song we sang earlier by Keith and Kristen Getty, By Faith. And in that song, Keith, as he wrote these words, described the church. He said this, By faith the church was called to go, and the power of the Spirit to the lost to deliver captives and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. And then the chorus. Listen again. We will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward. Till the race is finished and the work is done, we'll walk by faith and not by sight. Keith Gettys says that the inspiration for this song, the idea of standing, came from a relationship he has with an older man who speaks truth into his life. And he says, it's as if I climbed up on his, his shoulders, standing to see the history of the church, what God had done, what God is doing, what God still has to do. My friends, 24 years ago, God led people to start this church. In the last, last five years, 900, over 900 new members have been added to this church. God is moving, and there are lost people all around us. How might he use us as we stand up, confident that the Lord is reigning as king, to make known the gospel 
of Jesus Christ through his word, through our worship, through the work, and through our witness. This is his church. And until he is finished calling all of his children to himself, until that race is over, that work is not done. And how, how, how amazing that we get to be a part. Father in heaven, we are about to feast. We are about to come to the table remembering that which you have done for us, that which you are doing for us, and that which you have promised to do. Lord, prepare us as we come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as we prepare to come to his table?